Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Katie Martin. India's Supreme Court recently ruled against a ban on women of reproductive age visiting the Sabarimala Temple, saying it violated their constitutional right to equality and the right to worship freely. But so far, angry mobs have prevented any women from entering the temple. Amy Kasmin talks to Jotsna Singh about why feelings are running so high. So Amy, if you could start by telling us why Sabrimala is at the heart of angry protests. Why are women barred from entering it? The Sabarimala Shrine is a hilltop shrine in the southern state of Kerala, and it is dedicated to a local deity, Lord Ayappa, who is depicted as celibate, unlike many of the other Hindu gods who actually have partners of the opposite sex. At the Sabarimala Shrine, women are allowed if they're over the age of 50, and girls under the age of 10 are allowed, but women who are thought to be of reproductive age, fertile women, that is women between the ages of 10 to 50, are banned or traditionally banned because it is supposedly believed that their entry into the shrine will distract Lord Ayapa from his holy meditations. So then what has happened in the court now? Basically, the ban on the entry of women of reproductive age has been challenged in court. And after years and years of legal battling, the Supreme Court in September ruled that it was unconstitutional for this temple to bar women from entering. And it also suggested that the specific focus on women of a certain age, that is the reproductive age, was a form of untouchability because while people have said that the entry of women would distract the deity from his meditations, there is also a belief that the entry of women of reproductive age will in some way desecrate the shrine or render it impure. Untouchability is the principle that some people are ritually polluted or impure or unclean. In the past, this has been associated with people of lower castes who had jobs that were considered dirty. It involved maybe handling dead bodies. It involved handling leather and cleaning. And people who traditionally had these jobs, who were from the lower castes, were considered unclean, ritually unclean, and were deemed untouchable by those who were higher up on the Hindu caste ladder. Is Sabrimala the only temple where women of reproductive age are not allowed? Or this is a wider social custom among Hindus? Basically, the Supreme Court's ruling insisting that women be allowed into the temple has really inflamed passions in Kerala, where people do feel very, very strongly. The belief in women as impure during their monthly periods is something that's very, very deeply held in many parts of Indian society. In many, many temples, in fact, there are signs saying women should not enter during their monthly periods, although it's left to the women devotees to exercise their own discretion in not entering. No one is really enforcing it. But young girls who are raised in India are also told that they shouldn't enter temples or participate in religious proceedings and rituals while they're on their period. And there are many other taboos around 
the menstrual cycle. Women in many parts of the country are not allowed to cook food. They're not allowed to enter their own kitchens. And in some extreme cases, they're even made to sleep outside their main family home in barns or sheds. So the belief that the menstruating woman is ritually impure and needs to be kept away from the rest of society is very, very strongly held. Thus, the Supreme Court's verdict has engendered very strong passions. How has the ruling establishment responded to the crisis on the ground? What has been the reaction from national political parties? Political parties have responded to the verdict very, very differently. The Kerala state government is currently controlled by the Communist Party in India, and they have shown determination in trying to protect women and enable them to visit the shrine as now mandated by the Supreme Court order. But Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Hindu nationalist Bharatiya Janata Party has been standing in solidarity with those who insist that they will stop women from entering the shrine. There has been a lot of implied violence. It's been a very chaotic scene. Thousands and thousands of devotees of Lord Ayappa have mobilized to try to stop any women from trying to make the journey to the shrine. The roads have been blocked. Kerala police have tried to provide protection to women. There have been stunning images of women in crash helmets and body armor trying to walk up the path to the shrine. But so far, the mobs of opponents to women in the shrine have been successful. Amit Shah, the president of the BJP, has pledged his support for those trying to stop women from entering the shrine. He has also chastised the Supreme Court for its verdict, saying that the court should not be passing verdicts that cannot be implemented. So he is trying to say that basically the faith of the mobs should transcend the Supreme Court order. The Congress party has been very woefully on this question. Rahul Gandhi, the opposition leader, the leader of the Congress, has basically said that he feels that women should be allowed to go where they want, but he has deferred to the sentiments of his local party workers in Kerala. So just to wrap up, what implications is the Sabrimala crisis likely to have on the wider question of rule of law versus matters of faith in the current political context? Some Indian thinkers are very, very concerned about the way they've seen the leaders of India's national parties, including the ruling party, mobilize and agitate against a Supreme Court verdict. India is a diverse nation with many people of a wide range of often conflicting beliefs. The fact that the president of the country's ruling party appears to be instigating mobs against the implementation of a Supreme Court verdict has really unsettled people. And there is a feeling that the BJP is trying to create an environment where the Supreme Court and its rulings and its verdicts will be subordinated to the passions of the crowd and its faith. And that is a place where India hasn't really been. At the end of the day, divisive issues that have incited high emotions have been resolved by the Supreme Court and the court verdicts have been able to arbitrate disputes and bring an end to them. And the specter 
that the Supreme Court verdicts will no longer be respected and that there'll be attempts to mass mobilize against Supreme Court verdicts is really a challenge to the rule of law in India and suggests that India could be taking a turn towards a very different kind of society than the kind of society that the country's original founders, the early generation, the post-independence generation, had tried to establish. That was Jyotsna Singh talking to our South Asia Bureau Chief, Amy Kasmin. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer.